This episode is brought to you by the Explorations Early Learning Toy of the Month Club. Check it out online at www.explorationsearlylearning.com slash T-O-T-M-C dot H-T-M-L. Why don't you order a drink, kick back, grab an appetizer, and join us for some childcare conversation. Welcome to episode four of the Childcare Bar and Grill podcast. Today we're going to be talking about them. So them. We talked a little bit about them in episode two about stress. Um, Them, I think in my mind, is the people that are looking over your shoulder, the people that are requiring you to do paperwork, the people who are paying you, the people who are providing your funding, the people who who regulate, set the rules. Uh Oh, don't even get me started. Some people, you give them a a clipboard and a a red pen and a a set of keys to a state vehicle or something like that, and they they feel like they've got their own little fiefdom. And they can reign over uh, the child care providers that they, they work with and that kind of stuff. Uh, some of them are the funders and they think it's a very powerful thing to be able to control where the dollars go and those kind of things. We've all got them involved in our lives and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So who's, who's your them? Any thems driving you crazy, Anita? Um, actually, I, other than the city, the... Uh, uh, oh. The city that I live in. uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Yes. Thinks that they are putting children first and they are making quality care for the children of Sioux Falls by making it mandatory that all family child cares have insurance. And I don't necessarily agree with that. In fact, I don't agree with that at all. In my opinion, that's covering your butt and not supplying quality care for children. It's covering the city because they're the ones that are saying that this place is okay to take your children, even though they do not come out. They say that they do now when somebody new registers their daycare, but they only come out when there is a complaint. And in my opinion, that's too late. If you've registered a daycare, you should have at least seen it and met the person that's running that that daycare. So I have huge issues with the whole mandatory insurance thing. Yeah, I, I, insurance isn't a bad idea, especially if you're going to be doing some of the stuff we recommend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this but. is true. And I'm not saying insurance is bad. I'm just saying to make it mandatory and saying, therefore, then there will be all quality care in Sioux Falls at every daycare because now they all have insurance. Yeah. That that's my whole issue there. So yeah, don't mistake that as me thinking insurance is a bad thing to have. That's not it. It's just they are making it mandatory because their goal is to make sure that there's quality care for all children in Sioux Falls. And I just don't think the, they, insurance is necessarily necessary in order to have quality care. The thing Does that, that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. The thing is them to a lot of us are the nanny state or big brother watching over our shoulder. Um, I heard I, I hear all kinds of stories when I'm out running around traveling, doing presentations. One, my favorite was, uh, mm, I think it was in Illinois, or Illinois, depending on where in the state you are, I think. Um, anyway, I heard from a caregiver who uh, 
licensor came to visit and uh, couldn't find anything to, to you know, write the, the caregiver up for. And, and, and apparently they have to go back to the office. Everybody's got to be written up for something. And so they, uh, they pulled out the refrigerator. And of the electrical behind the refrigerator, the two receptacles, one had the refrigerator plugged into it, of course. The other one didn't have an outlet cover in it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and, and the caregiver got written up for this because uh, that wasn't safe. As if a dang three-year-old is going to pull the refrigerator out from the wall and grab a fork and stick it into that out. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I got written up. I had been, my house had been, and I love the state. I, I do not mind. I love the gal that comes out from the state. She does a great job. It's it's not an uncomfortable situation at all, and I don't feel that she's out to get uh, providers at all. In fact, she's there just to help. I see it as another set of eyes making sure that everything is safe in your environment. However, this one time really made me upset. I, she had been to my house several times for several visits, and my house passed just fine, except for paperwork, of course, because I hate paperwork. But anyway, um, my railings, the one time that she measured them, or the one visit when she measured again, they were one-fifth of an inch too far apart, the spindles in my railing. And so I had to sign off on papers that I would not allow the children that attend my daycare to go upstairs because where the railings were at for one-fifth of an inch. Because they could actually fall down and jam their head but the, yeah. yeah, and it, 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 I, I don't, I don't even have. I, I could have put plexiglass over them, I've which seen, who seen, would like plexiglass the, in their home? I've seen the kids in your program, they've all got big heads. They actually do all have big heads. I almost said, Rita, there has to be a formula here where you can figure out what size a head cannot possibly squeeze into that. And the thing is, is I have the curvy. Just don't enroll the big head kids in your program. No, little head kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I have the curvy spindles, so. It's not a fifth of an inch too big consistently. There's no way a head could fit in there. Unless they got one of those, those long, skinny heads. But, but here's my beef, is my house passes building code. Head, yeah. So apparently when children are in a daycare environment, suddenly they are more apt to put their heads between railings than they are when they're in their own home. Hmm. Why daycare code is different than building code well, is interesting. Because all those bureaucrats, they got to keep their jobs. Yeah. And so, they're going to and so it's the same with my deck outside, which I'm fine with. I like having space that is just for my family. So the daycare kids aren't allowed on my deck because the railings out there are, again, about a fourth of an inch too big. You know, sometimes caregivers run to, run into them when they send their own kids to school. I heard from somebody recently who uh, uh, their their son, eight-year-old, headed off to school and, you know, in art class. A uh, little girl says that he said the F word, and he defends himself. He says, he says, I didn't say, and he spells it, F-U-C-K. I said freaks, and and because he spelt the F word. Instead of saying it, so this sweet boy it. knew not to say it, so he just spelt it, so this person knew that, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I didn't say that. Yeah, he, 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 spe he spelled it correctly. I checked with the mom. He spelled it correctly, uh, got, got detention. As an eight-year-old, for for spelling a word correctly in school, uh, the thing is, them is is real hung up on 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 rewards and punishment. Whoever your them might be, 
they, uh, they, they, they hold some power over us and, and they think that that can be, then it can be wielded to their advantage. And, and it's just kind of a, it's kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, I, I do all I can in our program and in my life to distance myself, distance myself from them because life can get a little bit complicated when you're trying to make them happy all the time. It's all about rewards and punishments, and there's there's no research that shows. Well, sure, a book by Elfie Cohen uh, that that talks about this. There's 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 no real research that shows that that rewards and punishments are beneficial. In fact, they have have negative effects on the way people act and interact. Oh, am I supposed to say something now? I don't know. I just pause. I've, I've been ranting for a while, so I pause. Maybe you can talk. If you want to do. Jeff makes awesome toys. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. And I have one of his newest ones in my hands right now, so I'm a little sidetracked. <laughs> so, uh, so here's another. Here's another. Them getting involved in life. Uh, toilet paper tubes. You ever use them for any activity? I use toilet paper tubes. All the time. Oh, they're fantastic. There's so much learning to be done, problem solving. I on and on and on and on and on. There's lots of benefits. Just that's the perfect plop right there, folks. Yeah. Toilet pa- toilet paper tubes. Just put them out. So there are places in in this country where childcare programs are are forbidden by them from using toilet paper tubes. Uh, what? They're, no, they're 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 dangerous because they've been in the bathroom. No. Oh yeah. You have got to be kidding me. I wish I was, and I, I frequently do, but... What? Time. Who sat around in their desk and discovered that, that would toilet paper tubes should not be played with? Bureaucrats, paper pushers, red tape mongers. Oh, my gosh. And that's the thing. There are, there are caregivers out in this world who are trying to tune in and be focused. Toilet paper tubes, you're kidding. No, I wish I was. I just can't even wrap my brain around that. No, That's because, because they come from the bathroom, and you know what goes on in the bathroom? There's, there's bathroomy stuff going on in there, and they can be contaminated, and and and. <laughs> well, then we better not let them use toilet paper. Well, no, we shouldn't allow them to. Every every every. My God, because they're touching a sheet that another child touched. The regulation should be that you should have a separate bathroom for each child. Oh, jeez. See, the thing is, this whole them. Um, and, and let's not, I don't want to, you know, paint everybody with the same brush. There are some regulators and mm-hmm. policy makers and officials that are incredibly great people. In my center days, we had a, a, a couple licensing uh, dudes. Um, that their, their whole, uh, um, Roger, Roger was a great guy. And he'd come in and he'd say, you know, my job is to be a fresh set of eyes. I'm yep. here to punish you. I'm here to see stuff that you might miss because you're here every day. Yep. And that, that's incredible. That's great. But there are child care licensors out there in this country that are, oh, bullies. And I, I know specifically about cases in a couple states where there are some racist things going on and there are personal things going on where the thems in the lives of some child care providers are making child care a misery for these people. And the reality is when we, when we take caregivers out of their game, when they're not tuned in and focused and engaged with the children, they're, they lose contact. And so when they're worrying about them all the time, the quality of care actually goes down. And that's not a good thing for the kids or for anybody else involved. So you got any other thems involved in your life? Any other them stories? I, you know, I, 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 I have to admit, I am, I'm pretty fortunate. I don't have a lot of thems. Are you them free? I am pretty them free. And maybe it's because 
I'm darn stubborn and just, if there are them, they're out of my life almost immediately if, if I can control that. So here, here's another one from Tennessee. In Tennessee, one of their, it's not licensing, it's their, I think it's their, uh, wow, well, one of their programs anyway. In Tennessee, uh, caregivers are supposed to physically touch sleeping infants every 15 minutes. <laughs> And, and they're not allowed to leave the kids who aren't sleeping unsupervised. And so if you've got two or three babies sleeping and some other kids, you have to take those kids that are awake with you to physically touch those sleeping kids every every 15 minutes. And if those kids didn't all go to sleep at the same time, I, I don't know if that means you got to... I don't know how you get anything else done but touching sleeping babies. And the thing about sleeping babies is if you go around touching them... They tend to wake up. They tend to wake up, and then they're not sleeping babies anymore. And then you have a provider who didn't get a break, which we all need because we are human after all. And we're going to be talking about this in a future episode, too, about when do you find time to pee? Yes. And things like that. Because when you are so busy with them, sometimes you even, you even neglect your own needs. And so in, in Tennessee, the, the last I heard, they were looking at revising those regulations. And, and you might think, hmm... They found out this is a stupid idea and they're going to get rid of it. But, but the revision is going to be there. They're going to change it from every, every 15 minutes to every, every 10 minutes. No. Yes. Jeez. And, and the, the thing is, when all of these... You know what's going to happen is there is going to be nobody who wants to take care of babies. Well, that's, that's exactly what's happening is there are quality caregivers that in some states are opting not to do infant care anymore. Or they're leaving the profession altogether, or they're going underground. Because what's happening in Minnesota, there's some big changes coming in Minnesota, because I know some providers who are no longer going to do babies because of pending changes coming, and I don't really know the details on that, but other than there's changes coming, I don't know, some, something. Well, I know one of them they're talking about apparently was that uh, infants aren't allowed to sleep in strollers, which, you know, if you put a put an infant in a stroller and you, you go for a walk and you got your other kids with you, um, that infant is going to fall asleep because that's what they do. They tend uh, to do that. So that, you know, one, one caregiver recently posted on my Facebook page. So what, you have to walk with a spray bottle and squirt yeah, the yeah, baby yeah, and they, they start falling asleep? Yeah, they start falling asleep, <laughs> you got to squirt them in the Facebook no, 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 wake up, wake up. Or, or, or like, you, you know, uh, uh, a can with uh, some pebbles in it. You shake it. Oh, for it. Pete's sake. Then you're going to make a child have a nervous anxiety yeah, but they disorder. Can't, they can't be sleeping because it's against the state rate. They said so. Wow. Yeah. Here's Lisa talking about the wolves, which is her terminology for them. So this week, Jeff Johnson and Danita asked me to riff for a little bit about what they call the them, them, them. Who, are, who is them? Who are them? Them, in my language, are the folks we refer to as the wolves. Now, who are the wolves? The wolves are the people who come to your door, whether it's your classroom door or your kitchen door or your playroom door, and they want to know what's your goal and what's your objective and what's your outcome. And in your brain, you're like, you know what? My goal is for you to get out of my room. So what actually do I need to say in order to make that happen? And many of you have heard me talk about this before, and what it really, really, really comes down to is language. He who owns Owns the language owns the debate. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you are up to your elbows in 45 pounds of cornstarch and water, 
oobleck, right? We call that oobleck. And somebody walks in and all they see is the mess. That's all they see. They don't see the science. They don't see the chemistry. They don't see the measuring. They don't see the math. They don't see the social. They don't see the cooperation. All they see is cornstarch on the carpet. That is a wolf. For clarification, because I'm not quite sure who's listening to these recordings and these podcasts that we're making, you are not automatically a wolf if you hold an administrative position. This is very, very, very important. You are not automatically a wolf if you are a principal or a director or, or in any position of educational authority. You are, however, a wolf regardless of your job title if you don't see on your own that when children are engaged in playful experiences, they are in the fact, in fact, learning. That's the caveat. That's the issue here. Too many people who are in positions of authority and decision-making forget that when children are playing, they are learning. And just because we're setting up something as a learning environment does not mean that it should not appear playful. Unfortunately, our culture is still reinforcing this false dichotomy between play and learning, and we still think that it's two separate camps, and maybe that's a topic for a different podcast. But for right now, the thems, the wolves that come to the door, if you see that there is a wolf standing in your doorway, you do not say, oh my gosh, we are having so much fun playing in the oobleck. You don't say that. You said fun, play, and oobleck in one sentence. That is not going to connect with this person at all. Instead, you take a deep breath and you look at them very calmly with a smile on your face, very professionally, and you inform them that today the children are engaged in the creation of a non-Newtonian fluid which by definition is any substance that has the properties of a solid and a liquid at the same time, which is also sometimes referred to as a suspension, which is chemistry, which is science. Take a breath. So you have to be able to articulate this, and many of you who are listening are familiar with some of the writing that I have done. Um, the, the What to Say When the Wolves Come Knocking book, the Crash Course in the Language of Wolves article, all of which is available on, on the website, ooeygooey.com. That's all there for you. We like to be accessible and transparent and give you the tools that you need. However, we can present those tools for you on how to speak to what you know, but you have to be the one that actually practices doing it, and that that's your responsibility, and you gotta take ownership of that. If I know that by calling you know, the stuff in the sensory table, whether it's oobleck or flubber or whatever, if I know that by calling that science, somebody is going to, quote unquote, let me keep it in my environment, then I should be able to do that. Now. I'm not saying that we should have to. Like, I think it's actually kind of insulting that we've reached this point of having to absolutely defend everything that we do. And at some point, we won't have to. But right now, we do. So it's our responsibility to be armed with an arsenal of information. And that's language that was taught to me by Mimi Shenfield. You know, that arsenal of information. So when that naysayer does walk in and they say, oh my gosh, this is making a big mess. You're not allowed to do this anymore. You know, too many providers are very guilty of just saying, okay, okay, I won't do it. I won't do it without actually standing up and engaging in a conversation about, well, what are you worried about? What are the concerns about? I can list for you five or six actually developmentally appropriate goals, objectives, and outcomes while the children are engaged in this experience. So I'm not really sure why I need to stop doing it. And the conversation that happens after that, we need to stop being afraid 
of that. We need to stop worrying that it's going to automatically lead to some kind of conflict or, or stress and, and realize that if we do own the language and attach what we know to the experiences that we're already doing, we are working in the highest and best interest for the children that are coming to our program. Take a breath. So the words, what are the words? Um, in my ooey gooey books, not to sound like I'm promoting them, but one of the reasons we we did this, you gotta know what it means if you don't even know, if you've never heard me say it. On every single activity page, in the ooey gooey handbook and also in ooey gooey tui, there is a picture of a wolf head on every page. Why? Underneath that wolf head, we list the very basic main, right out the gate concepts that you can attach to that particular activity. So, you know, for example, when you are doing Play-Doh, if you are not really sure, you know, what the, maybe the wolf words might be that you can attach to Play-Doh, they're right there for you. So while you are becoming more confident and internalizing those words yourselves, you can use the books that we've put together as a resource for you. My ultimate goal is not for you to stop doing what you're doing in order to meet the needs of somebody else. My goal is to assist you in learning the words that you need to know to attach to what you're already doing so you can keep those things in the classroom. Another thing that many of you have heard me address in the workshops and the trainings has been the confidence factor. And unfortunately, I think our profession is guilty of giving up some of our power. And with that has come, I think, a decrease in the amount of confidence that we have. I have said publicly that I would rather have a talent pool, a training staff, a, a, a group of people in this profession who can clearly articulate what they're doing and why they're doing it and who it's for that confidence that comes through. I want I want people working with children who do not get flustered and freaked out and intimidated when people ask them to talk about what they're doing. When I'm mentoring and I go into a classroom and I ask, you know, talk to me about what you're doing, the intention and the spirit behind that question is never, ever, ever to put somebody on their defensive. It is rather to kind of gauge, to get a feeling for where they, were, were, are they aware of what they were doing? Were they just going through the motions? Was this what was on the lesson plan, but nobody really understands or realizes why it's actually being done, that confidence, don't not to be intimidated because somebody walks in with a clipboard and to receive those, or to see, maybe not receive, but maybe to see that those opportunities are, 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 are times when we can practice the use of the language. You know, if somebody walks in and is asking, so talk to me about what's going on here in the water table today. You know, I've noticed you've had water out every day. Of course, it's fresh, but you've had water out every day for the last 10 days. Talk to me about what's going on. What has been your observations? What are you noticing? And to be able to respond to that inquiry with confidence to the thems, to use Danita and Jeff's language. Who are the thems that are coming into your space? And are you giving your power up to them? And if you are, what are some very direct actions that you can begin to take to start, to start taking some of that power back so that it's more, more balanced? It's not that we're wanting to have more power than them. It's that we need to bring it back into balance. Vader's forces have found us. We'll be right back. So another them caregiver I heard, I think this was out in Oregon or Washington, the uh, licensor came in and, and didn't like where they had their kitchen knives, you know, those 
little racks you get your knives and, and had to move them. And so they put them someplace else. And the licensure comes back the next time it's a new licensure and it's, oh, no, you can't have knives there. And so they, they put them, I think she said, oh, keep them, keep them, you know, under the sink because they had little latches there or something. And, and the next one said, next license said, no, no, uh, uh, no, kids could, kids could get that little lever thing. They could get under the sink and get to those knives. You can't keep the knives there. And, and then the next licensor said, uh, just put your knives in your counter. <laughs> so the thing is, when we have rules and regulations and policies, most of them are so open to interpretation that, uh, the level-headed, thoughtful, I'm here as a fresh set, set, set of eyes licensor is going to interpret them one way and the vindictive, I have a state car and a red check pencil licensor is going to interpret them a different way that caregivers don't know from, from one year to another how they're supposed to do things in their program. California, a couple years ago I'm out there, I think it's in, uh, I think it was Anaheim, and uh, talking to some center people, they got this beautiful center and, and, and they remodeled, they got, got these fancy big water play tables for each room, you know, these four, five, six hundred dollar things for, for each one of their classrooms, and, and they were all excited about them because that meant all kinds of water play, and this is California, you can play with water, I mean, here in Iowa you play with water half the year and it turns into ice, and that is still fun, but it's not water anymore. Anyway. Licensor came in and says, you know, if you're going to use those water play tables, you can you can only have have an inch of water in them at a time because because you can't have the water too deep. Somebody could drown, and and only one child can play at a time because you know if they've all got their hands in there, they could cross contaminate the water and and stuff. And and that between children, you have to totally drain the water play table and disinfect it. And fill it up. I like the way suddenly now nobody has an immune system. Nobody can fight off any germs. Yeah, right. Cause like, Toilet paper tubes, and then you can't play in the same water. That is the most ridiculous yeah, because, thing. Because when we were kids, we were, we were eating each other's boogers and stuff. Yeah. And so, so for years, these water play tables sat there in the corner with stuff piled on them until a new licensor came in and, and was kind of like, uh, why, are the light, why, why are the water play tables all covered with stuff? Why don't, don't you use those? And they went over, you know, here's what we were told. No, get them out, fill them with water, let the kids play. Sometimes the them is parents. Sometimes there are parents in programs that have certain expectations or needs that kind of weigh on caregivers. In our experience, we try to find ways to weed those parents out of our programs as quickly and as efficiently as we can because if they don't fit, they just kind of cause this stress bubble I had a family that left because uh, their daughter was, we were, it was one of those just random warm spring days. It wasn't quite too warm summer weather yet. Just a random day got warmer than anyone expected. So I got water out for the kids to play with outside and their daughter was wet and had some mud on her shirt. I know this was, oh gosh, 12 years ago, I bet. How dare you? I know. Everybody survived. I know it. Barely. Barely. And now my parents, I mean, they just, they know. They do not send their children in my to my house with anything of quality on them because we're going to get messy. We're going to get dirty. And thankfully, I have parents who get that the dirtier their kids are when they pick them up, probably the more fun they had. Yeah, so. And the more learning. 
Absolutely. So we're running out of time. I think this, this may have sounded like a little bit of a downer episode talking about them, but it's a reality. And, and, and the truth is, not all thems are people that are going to drive you crazy. If you've got a great them that you're working with in your program, somebody great with your meal program. Let them know. <laughs> let them know and let us know. Because um, I because I write a lot about stress and burnout, I hear the negative stories. And so I, I'd love to hear more positive stories out there. But also, uh, we'd like to hear more of those negative stories too. So if you've got a them... Because some of those negative stories are hilarious, quite hilarious. frankly. Uh, so if you've got more of those stories, please share them with us. wrap things up here's a final thought from Lisa so to piggyback on what I was saying about the increasing of the confidence I think one of the I don't want to say easiest because there's still work involved in doing it but one of the the most direct ways to start building that confidence is to be 100% familiar with every single every single document that you as a teacher as a provider are are accountable to what does that mean? It means that if you are a family child care provider and or a center-based teacher, you need to know the regs of your state, which doesn't mean that you know you have a, a file on the shelf in a binder and you've never looked at them. That means you own them. That does not mean that you actually are familiar with them. And that is probably one of the things that I see most often in my travels is somebody comes in, a wolf, a them, and they tell you you're not allowed to do that anymore and you say oh okay instead of actually being so familiar with the documents that you are held accountable to that you're able to professionally politely but still question and if you don't know the document you can't do that so if you are um, aligned with Eckers you need to know the document inside and out if you're aligned with Itters, Fedkers, whatever it is you have a responsibility to be very familiar with those documents. Otherwise, you are very guilty, again, of giving up your power to a piece of paper because you don't know any better. This way, if somebody walks in and they say, oh, you're not like my birdbath story. Many of you know my birdbath story. I got written up when I was doing family child care because I had a birdbath in the backyard. And I was like, a bird, a birdbath? Why? I, a bird? She said, it's freestanding water. And if you're going to keep your birdbath, you need to have a lifeguard. And you're like, you know what, that is not the spirit in which that rule, that regulation was generated. A, a lifeguard for a birdbath. And I was actually so insulted. I, I actually asked her, you know, who are you allowing to do this job that you are worried that the people you are letting do this job would not notice a toddler face down butt up in a birdbath in my backyard? I worked in a center for years and years and years and years. I never saw a lifeguard standing in the doorway of the toilets in the child care center. And that's also freestanding water. That is not the spirit in which this regulation has been written. But because I was familiar with the regs, we were able to have that back and forth conversation. When I owned my center in Rochester and we got written up for having a sensory table, out on the playground and she said it is freestanding water it's a wading pool and you're not allowed to have it it is not a wading pool but because I was confident that I was familiar enough with the regs I was able to have a dialogue instead of just rolling over and saying okay we'll get rid of all the sensory tables hey thanks for joining us we'll be back next week with episode 5 about books enjoy your week health and happiness bye bye